Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. People live in a world of their own making. Frankly, that seems to be the problem. Welcome to Angry Planet. Hello and welcome to Angry Planet. I am Matthew Galt. And I'm Jason Fields. Instagram is a world of influencers, models, bizarre ads, and aspirational living. It's a place where artists share their work and people go to see and be seen. It's also the epicenter of gang violence in America and, increasingly, an important resource for law enforcement looking to solve murders and disrupt street violence. Read the charging documents or warrants of a gang violence-related case, and you'll be confronted by a wealth of Instagram posts. Why? With us today is Danny Gold. Gold, a returning guest, is a writer and producer who focuses on crime and conflict, He's also a reluctant podcaster who co-hosts the Excellent Underworld podcast. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. So in your work covering gang violence, how much do you use social media to help you figure out what's going on? So, you know, I don't look at Instagram, YouTube and all that as the best way to get the background of a situation, right? And to come to a total understanding. But you can see conflict between gangs stuff like that play out on there. You know, it's going to be maybe in coded language you don't understand. You might not know why these things are kicking off. I don't think it necessarily starts there, but it definitely facilitates it. And just people are way, way too poor with with their OPSEC. Like they will be putting stuff out there that, like you said, will be used in charging documents, direct threats against enemies that are, you know, going to be seen by anyone who loads up YouTube and knows where to search or Instagram. It's not that hard to do. I have used it and I'm giving out a reporter trick here, but you know, I, when I did this documentary in St. Louis that I've talked about on the podcast and that was dealing with gang violence there a lot, you know, one of the easiest ways I found to make inroads in communities that are, that are participating or or suffering from gang violence is to find people in the local rap scene. And I've done that through YouTube, through Instagram, you know, start hitting them up being like, uh, Hey, do you guys want to talk? You know, I'm looking into this. I'm looking into that. Usually if it's a, a relatively small time player in this scene, they're going to be up for a conversation. Well, not usually, you know, I, it's like one out of every 10 people you reach out to is willing to talk and maybe introduce you around to some folks. And that's how I've made some great sources is doing stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny. The increasingly, I feel like a lot of, especially looking for sources and kind of tracking their history, social media has become so important for journalists, even again, giving out reporter secrets, even like LinkedIn is such a huge deal. Yeah. You can learn so much about people on LinkedIn, but anyway, where, which sites are people using? Like, where's the stuff happening? Is it just Instagram? 
I mean, Instagram and YouTube, I'd say, would be the big ones that I've noticed where you can just get a lot of information. I mean, there are people whose entire reporting careers now are based off of essentially, I guess, Facebook to in foreign countries would be big, but trolling these websites. And I'm not just talking about gang violence. I'm talking about, you know, ethnic cleansing situations, cartels, obviously, gangs. It, it's not just, you know, I, I don't want to portray it as it's just, you know, kids in street gangs in, in Chicago or in Brooklyn or in St. Louis using this, right? You have Albanian gangs in, in London that are, that are, you know, putting stuff up on, on YouTube or Instagram that no one who wants to stay out of prison should do. You know, you have cartel members. I guess they have to, they, they probably fear prosecu- prosecutorial sort of attention a lot less than people in the US, but you know, they're putting stuff up there too. Even you go back and you look at Facebook and WhatsApp and Myanmar, you know, there's ethnic cleansing that was precipitated through that. And that, I mean, that's a fact. That's, that's a known thing. I know people that I've met with high level Facebook officials to, to warn them about this. I think it's in uh, Shira Frankel's new book. They talk about this a bit, but you know, this isn't just a thing that street gangs are putting their crimes out there for the world to see. It's, it's sort of all over. Right. And you know, you have places like Bellingcat that are watching all this stuff and using it to document war crimes in Syria, right? Because people are putting up their ethnic cleansing on YouTube and other sites may not live there for very long, but the evidence is there. However, briefly it like, why, why do people do this? I, you know, I ask myself that question a lot. I think, you know, it could be any number of reasons, right? Everyone's going to have their own personal motivations. I think with cartels doing it, a lot of them are doing it to instill fear to sort of one up their enemies because they don't fear any sort of criminal justice situations. Why are these younger, the 15 and 16 year old kids doing it? I mean, clout is, is like a big thing. It, it's a, an unfortunate reality, but people are doing it to sort of show like that they're in charge to bravado. I mean, it's a, you know, when you're talking about young men, male teenagers, 16, 17 around the world do a lot of dumb stuff for attention, for bravado reasons, for things like that. And that's a very real reality with, with kids, even in gangs. You know, it's not just 16-year-old kids in gangs that are doing it. It's 16-year-old kids all over. Just when you're living that gang life, it's going to involve violence. It's going to involve guns. It's going to involve things of that nature. It's going to involve you trying to one-up, you know, your ops, your enemies, things like that. It's just, uh, and, and, you know, they want to generate content. Don't we all just want to gen- generate content and, and have it lead to things? I mean, they're doing the same stuff, you know? And if I can point out, I always like to take everything back to the Holocaust, if possible. The Nazis actually took lots of pictures of uh, some of their crimes, including shooting people in front of ditches. And, you know, and there were this fantastic album, people who worked in Auschwitz just hanging out and partying nearby. So apparently it's just something people do. It's not a new phenomenon in any way. It's just the outlet and the, and the, the, how much easier it is to do right now. You know, if you want to do this 20 years ago, you had to go get a little uh, Insta camera from, I don't know, from CBS, take photos, go get it developed. You know, you got your phone on you at all times. And, you know, I, I don't think, especially when it comes to the younger teens that are doing it, I don't think they're thinking long term. They're not thinking of, of like evidence that they're providing. You know, that's, that's like we have, you know, our, our, our podcast corny catchphrase, which is don't Instagram your crimes. T-shirts available. But uh, it's true. So many cases these days are built off people who are literally putting up evidence of felonies on Instagram, on YouTube, and, and on Facebook. And people are making cases off it. Like, you know, we, we have this sort of old running gag about these cops in New York who are like, you know, your middle-aged Irish and Italian cops who now have to like learn how to use Instagram and, you know, used to banging down doors and whatever else. And now they're monitoring or pretending to be some like 
17 year old girl so they can like friend people on Instagram that are putting up, you know, their gang members that, that they're affiliated with. And that's, can you describe some of the posts and like how is there, and is there an aesthetic difference between like what a cartel member posts and what somebody in say St. Louis posts? I mean, the cartel members are putting up stuff where they're, they're like really rolling around with heavy duty weapons where they're shooting people, bodies, things like that. So the cartel members are putting it up to a degree that's just, you know, to the 10th exponent of whatever, whatever the kids in, in Chicago or New York, whatever, are putting up. They're putting up, you know, you will see posts of guns and things like that, especially in cities where, where they're legal. New York, it's a little less, you know, they, people have kind of wisened up a bit about that. You know, call outs of, of opponents or people they want to hurt. I've kind of had it. I was actually just on the phone with, with, a, with a friend in St. Louis who's involved in this world. And he was like, look, it doesn't start on Instagram, but it just exacerbates it to like the a millionth degree, right? Everyone, people know who their enemies are in this world before social media. This just gives you an opportunity, you know, you're not running into them on the street anymore. You know, it used to have to be, you crossed someone's territory, you ran into them in the street. That's how an argument would precipitate, or that's how some sort of action would precipitate. Now you can just be in your bedroom talking shit on Facebook comments, on Instagram comments. I mean, he was telling me wild stories of, of you know, I, I interviewed this rapper. We didn't use him to piece this guy, uh, AMR D. Huncho, a St. Louis guy who got shot like five times in July. He was on live when it happened. He was telling me another story of one of his homies that was shot on live. Like he was, the guy was on live, shot a couple of days ago. So you see stuff like that. You see a lot of stuff with, you know, bragging about money, you know, stacks of money. And I, like, I, I talk to these kids, I'm like, stop doing that. Like if people see, you know, the world you're living on, if people see you holding thousands of dollars in your pockets and then you put your house up there, you put your car up there. If you're on live doing it, like things are gonna look 99% of the time, maybe you're fine, but, but. That's, you know, you're making yourself a walking target. Maybe you're a target already, but like maybe people forget and then they're scrolling through and they see you holding $40,000. You know, I'm just saying it doesn't take much sometimes for someone to get the motivation to do something in that world. Well, and that's happened before too. There's, there's famous cases recently of like, of rappers, I think specifically putting up you know, bling and stacks of cash and then criminals like, all right, well, we know where they are. We know what they've got. So we'll go take care of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, I try to warn these kids and, you know, it, it doesn't take, and it's just like, it's, it's, it's worrying. Like I worry about them doing this sort of stuff, but I, you know, as for the motivation, the reasons for it, look, I'm sure there's tons of papers written on, you know, these sort of issues, why, why kids belong to gangs in the first place, why they feel the need to show bravado. I, I mean, that's a lot deeper than I think I can go right now, but for the surface level reasons, it just doesn't make sense. I guess it does make sense, but it's just stupid. Sorry, let me correct myself. Does it also work like putting heads up on pikes? I mean, is that part of yeah? You know yeah. what this is all about? Is that why? How is that part of how they use Instagram? Yeah, I mean for sure. Like if you look at you know, I haven't done any original reporting on it, but I've been paying attention to this this Jacksonville beef between these rappers and Jacksonville where they're making songs about the people that they've killed, you know, and then like that, you know, but that's going to get them attention. That's going to get them clout. I mean, if you look at like Takashi, right, half the reason he blew up in the first place was because he was able to get co-signed by like, by Bloods and obviously it didn't work out too well for him, but like, you know, that is unfortunately a, a part of the game, especially when it comes to, to rap and I, to sound like C. Dolores Tucker, but you know, that is an issue too. It's really blending in a lot now 
with with the drill scene and and with that sort of stuff in cities like Chicago, New York, especially Brooklyn, St. Louis, I mean Cleveland, Jacksonville, you know, there is this intertwining in a way that it wasn't 30 years ago. You know, I, I saw like an older guy who had been in the rap game and in, in the sort of gang game, he was 50 years old now, talking about how like these days it's it's more out of control than it was back then, because back then a lot of these guys were faking. These kids now look, they might make terrible music and have dumb face tattoos, but they really are shooting people in the streets over, like through music. Like that, that's a part of it. And I hate to, to sort of, you know, I'm not trying to establish a puritanical view on these things, but it, it is a reality and people don't want to address it. Yeah, this is there that famous song about, it's like C.W. Nelly about shooting his friends by accident. Y-W, yeah, Y-W-M, Y-M-W Melly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y-M- I think, Sorry. I think he made the song before that happened. I, I think I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty he, sure he he made the song and then actually did the thing in the song that he that he was singing about. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's serving time right now. I think he's. Uh, I don't know if he was was he. I think he might have been convicted. I'm not sure, but he's. Not, I didn't he, follow the case too closely, but I'm pretty sure that he is convicted. Yeah, he, he's actually pretty. I wrote him off right away off the bat just by looking at him, but he's a pretty talented musician. Like I think I think he's he's fundamentally like very talented. It's it's a giant waste of talent. I'll just say that. It's a good song. That's yeah. the that's one of the the horrible parts about Dude, it. He has a song "Mama Cry" about serving like a, a like a two hundred day sentence. That's like a beautiful heart wrenching song with an amazing video. I would recommend people. I tried to license it for like a short documentary that I made, but that didn't work out. But it's incredible song. But. Anyway, sorry. I this this gets to one of the one of the things I like a central tension in my own like intellectual life where I wonder I'm not one of those people that thinks that art inspires violence, but I also think that we fundamentally believe that art can change minds and inspire us, but when we think about it in inspiring violence or causing violence, we balk. I don't think I think it's complicated. There's a complicated connection there. But do you think that any of this stuff that's happening on Instagram or social media is amping up the violence in any way or making it worse? You know, you're, the first thing you said is a debate that I've been having with myself a lot the past past couple of years as I've been paying attention to this more and more. Because I know that like, you know, I am a 38-year-old, mostly law-abiding citizen who is not a part of these worlds. And I know when I'm listening to some stuff and I'm getting amped up to go to the gym, like I'm getting amped up, you know? And I'm not like a hyper-impressional 15-year-old kid who's in a violent world to start with. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of where you are. You know, I'm, I'm really torn by what I now believe because I do think it's having an impact. I do think some of this stuff, like especially when it comes to drill stuff, and I hate to say it because like I said, I don't want to sound like C. Dolores Tucker, but I do think it is having an impact and it is exacerbating it. Now, when it comes to social media, for sure it's exacerbating it. For sure. Like, I'm not saying there, there, there's fundamental reasons why, you know, there's violence in, in, in general in communities, right? I think poverty, lack of opportunity, lack of choices. I am not trying to say that, that Instagram contributes like any of those factors do. Certainly it does not. But when it comes to exacerbating it, 100%, like it is just, you know, it's, it's real. People are like my, like, you know, the guy I was talking to said, people already know their enemies. But if you have 24 hour access, 24 hour access to talk shit to your enemy, to call them out on things, to one up them, you know, what's that going to lead to? Now, obviously not every shit talking post is going to lead to violence, 
but it's definitely gonna gonna precipitate it in a certain way. And you can see, I mean, there's local media that have done these these sort of reports, whether it's in West Philadelphia, Cleveland, Jacksonville, St. Louis, that talk about how like these threats are being made and and, and sometimes carried out after being posted on social media, or you know, gang violence things are are, are kicking off because of people talking shit on social media again. The, 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 the violence is already there to a degree and the rivalry is already there, but you're giving a forum that's completely unregulated for 24 hours, seven days a week for people to, to, who are already engaged in beefs to, to go at each other. And that's, it's going to have negative consequences. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns. I have a question speaking as the uh, oldest white man on this show. <laughs> what does this mean to me? I mean, is this just all inter gang rivalries? Is this, I mean, does this make the world more dangerous beyond that community? No, I mean, that's the, how unfortunate- do you make me scared? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's the unfortunate thing. Like for our day to day lives, I mean, like in my neighborhood, it's rapidly gentrifying, but occasionally things kick off. And I know a lot of shit talking goes down on social media. But for the most part, no, this is, this is affecting pockets of communities where there already is violence, where people are already marginalized, where they don't have resources. And it's just making life deadlier there than it has to be. Look at the murder rate. You know, again, I'm not saying this is the reason the murder rate is sky high right now. Even though I think it's gone down. Last year was sky high. This year, it's down a bit. But, uh, but it's definitely contributing to it. And again, I, I want to be clear too. This isn't just a phenomenon that's happening to street gangs in inner cities in America, right? Cartels, MS-13, like I said, Albanian gang, the Halbanians have tons of music videos up there where they're bragging about their crimes. You know, this isn't, I, I don't want to implicate, you know, street gang culture as being the only ones that are guilty of this. It's happening all over the world and, and regimes, governments are doing it, you know? So I, I just want to be very clear about that. But this phenomenon that's happening here is is... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there is anything for you to be scared of, unfortunately. You know, it, that, and that's why maybe it's not getting all the attention that it should be getting because it's a, in a, affecting part of the population. I think some people have given up on already. There is an amazing world of 
Azerbaijan has some amazing ones of uh, state created music video diss tracks. Yeah. Yeah. That are like very militant and are aimed at it's this it's it's an amped up expensive version of this, I think. Yeah. And this all kind of is this expression of what I see as is like these cycles of violence and reprisal that I think fuels a lot of this stuff. I also think about obviously very different back then, but like the troubles in Ireland. Like I can't imagine like can you imagine what the world would have been like if, you know, the IRA had Instagram instead of just the sides of buildings to paint murals on. Can you kind of talk about like what these cycles of violence are and how like Instagram kind of fuels it? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of it. Right. And I, I have this scene in this documentary I did in St. Louis where I'm talking to uh, this, this well, a friend now, this, this guy, Lyndon, who, who is a crip. And we're sort of talking about how just the gang violence just, just keeps going. You know, I'm like, well, you know, don't you think that if you guys, decide to not shoot one of them back, maybe the cycle will stop. And he's like, yeah, but when you're in it, you're not thinking about it. You know, you're thinking about protecting your people. You're thinking about getting revenge for your friend. And, you know, I asked him on point like, I'm like, doesn't that mean it's never going to stop? He's like, yeah, we're just going to, it's just going to keep going. You kill him. I kill you back and forth, back and forth until there's none of us left. And it's, it's a dark moment, but that's, that's a big part of what's fueling gang violence is the back and forth and the back and forth. And of course, the shit talking and the bragging on killing somebody is gonna exacerbate that, right? It is going to make it so maybe someone feels like they don't have an unless they like, except for getting revenge. And that's a big, I mean, again, I'm an outsider looking in for this Jacksonville story, but I think that's a big one too. If you look at them bragging about killing or even bragging about all the people they've killed in this beef. I mean, I think a bunch of those guys are starting to get arrested now, but it's, it's wild what what people are being what what are being put out there and again if you're a regime if you're a cartel member you don't have to worry about creating evidence for the most part these guys should be worried about about all the evidence they're literally putting out there you know yeah that's a big part of what baffles me here and it's really sad watching like some of the videos where it reminds me of like when i was a kid and i would believe that like all right you know if i just if you know if i ask them if they're a cop they have to tell me that they're a cop there's a lot of like that kind of shit going on in the videos where they're like, they change the name of things and they, they say like, well, off camera, I have, you know, this part of a gun, but I'm not going to show it to you because if I show it to you, then it's a felony. And like, guys, come on. Like, yeah. is there, you know, how does, have you talked to law enforcement about this? Do they, they obviously know that this is a big resource for them and almost a boon for them. How do they feel about it? Oh yeah. I mean, this is how they build cases. You know, they're, they're, I, I haven't had them say this to me directly, but I assume they're thrilled. How much easier does that make your job? If you're a detective and people are literally stating the people that they've murdered on camera for you to look into it, like if you're posting up guns, if you're posting up cash too, I, I think law enforcement that's deep involved in these things, they're going to start asking questions about, Where'd you get that cash? You know, you're making yourself a target and you're doing the work of the police of the, you're doing it for them, right? You're making their lives easier. Now I'm sure some of them missed the actual days of like banging down doors and actually building real cases off of non-social media. But uh, I think for the most part, it's making their job in incredibly, not incredibly easy, but it's making their job easier in a way. And I think they're also just sort of like flabbergasted by just like, well, what, like, why are you doing this? Why are you giving me all the evidence that I need? Because they're stupid. I mean, one of the things that's really key to police work 
and I'm not like just saying this uh, off the top of my head. I mean, you know, cops have said it. You're, it's on TV. Police work only works at all because criminals are stupid. I mean, you know, that's actually how most people get caught. They forget something. They do something dumb. They, you know, I, I think go on social media and think it's more important to have their following, I guess, than it is to, I don't know, not go to jail. Look, you know, especially when it's kids that are like 15, 16, 17, I don't want to be too judgmental. I'm sure if social media was around when I was that age, I would have put a lot of dumb shit up there as well. I'm really glad it wasn't around when I was that age. You know, there definitely were probably some early Facebook wall posts back in like 2004, 2005. I'm glad it don't exist anymore. But yeah, look, it, it's not a smart thing to do. But we also have to think about 15 and 16 year old kids without guidance who by nature are just like, and by nature, I mean, all 16 year olds are super impulsive. You know, their brains, I don't know the science, man. I'm just talking nonsense, but you know what I mean? Their brains aren't fully formed, right? You're not, that's why teenagers do so much dumb shit. And I'm not trying to rationalize literally committing crimes on Instagram, but at the same time, it's like, there's a small part of me, a small part of me that gets it. Well, we also, we had the luxury of growing up in a world where this stuff wasn't around. Right. We, that's a big we part have, of it. And this is... You know, we, we like to talk about how, like, you know, Twitter isn't real life. Ha, 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 ha. Well, to a lot of people, this stuff very much is real life. It is a it is a fundamental part of what it means to be a social human in the year 2021. Yeah. Uh, no matter how much we hate it. And so you are living part of your life in this digital realm. You know, so it's hard to just walk away from that, especially when all of your peers are there and it's just what the done thing in your culture does, you know? Yeah, 100%. It's a great way of putting it. Well, it's like the way the world was, frankly, but more so. It's all amplified. Yes. yes. I yeah. mean, you know, people did a lot of really stupid things, and sometimes they get caught. I mean, let's go like all the way back to the Dark Ages when Bill Clinton, you know, got caught out for you know, smoking a joint. Of course, he said he didn't inhale. But, I mean, stuff from people's pasts always came up. It just was easy, you know, harder to find. And, you know, people have always been revealing themselves in some way or another, but it's amped up in a way that I don't think it's ever been before. We're all more public than we've ever been before. Yeah. I mean, even go like, even if you want to look at the niche of, of the crime world, you know, New York Post tabloid stuff, John Gotti loved being on camera and doing all that stuff. I mean, how many, how many retired mafiosos now? have podcasts or YouTube shows. I guess it's a little different because they're most likely not still committing crimes and talking about stuff they've done in the past. But like, you know, it, it seems like you, you, you go to prison now, you do your time or you plead out or you snitch and then you come out and you become a YouTube guy or a, or a podcast guy. And they do numbers, man. Who doesn't want to watch uh, Michael Franzese or Sammy the Bull talk about, you know, what they did for, for 20 years. And people are fascinated by that stuff. So, you know, uh, like I find myself definitely being like, why the hell are these kids doing this? But then you look and you see middle-aged mobsters are doing it too. And uh, do you see that post from, from Hanrahan? There's uh there's militant Uzbek jihadists in Syria that are also hosting their own podcast. I, I did see that. They've got way better equipment than I do. I think Jake made that joke as well. Yeah. It's awful. Like I wish I had a studio that looked that nice. Okay. So the other thing I want to ask is what is Instagram and its parent company, Facebook, doing about all of this, if anything? Is there a stance there? Is it just, you know, let it go? What's going on? So, you know, 
I think when you look at, this is probably not one of their bigger problems, right? I mean, they had the, the Myanmar thing is with the Rohingya is crazy. And I know people that had meetings with high level Facebook officials and tried to warn them about it. And I don't think they got the response that they wanted. So, you know, we're talking about literal ethnic cleansing here, like state sponsored massacres, stuff that's being exacerbated and they didn't do much. So I think with this, I also think like they probably don't know a lot of what it is or what's going on. Understanding the language itself is, is difficult for anyone, let alone some like 40 year old Facebook executive. So I, I think they're probably not super aware of it now. I mean, I think there are, you've seen these charging documents, right? Where police are filing stuff with Instagram, with Facebook or whatever to get these, the, this information. And I think occasionally it's being brought to their attention, but I don't think it's one of their main concerns considering everything that's going on. And, and again, like I, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses for them, but I don't envy them having to police all this stuff, right? How do they know what's going on on some kid's live on the South side of Chicago when he's like making gang threats? You know, they don't, like, how can they keep up with this? It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's tough. Like, I, I don't envy them there and I don't envy them being in this position. Yeah. I don't think people understand a, how much Facebook and Instagram is actually moderated into what that moderation looks like and how nightmarish it is for the people that are sitting and sifting through all of this stuff and deciding what, what can come down and what can't like there are, there is AI that regulates about 90% of it, but a lot of times there has to be another human watching, you know, video of a child being murdered and has to decide if it's going to get pulled down or not. It's a huge task and they do spend a lot of considerable amount of time and money on it. What a lovely note to go out on the show. <laughs> Let me, I, I do have one more question. What sure. do, are they using signal and wire and other encrypted apps at all? Is there any kind of organization that's going on in more private settings? I think, I think there are more organized groups that are, that are using encrypted messaging. You know, there was that big bus in Europe and Australia. They had, had developed their own sort of in, in, encryption. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys talked about that their own encrypted messaging app. I'm sure there are people that are using Signal. I'm sure there are street gangs that are using this stuff and, and doing it in a way that's more sophisticated. A lot of them aren't. And I, I'm surprised sometimes when I talk to people, like I was talking to a, a cartel guy with a name, like not super high level, but a guy who has a name out there. And we're talking over, over like a Facebook chat on, on, on like a video. And he's showing us guns and all that. Like there's very little OPSEC. I think it's maybe people think they're immune at this point. So it is... Yeah, like there, there, I think there are definitely people that are that are using encrypted chatting and and being smart about it. There's definitely a lot of people who aren't, and there's definitely some high level people that probably should that aren't. Yeah, I think that's important to note here for the criminals out there that you know, looking at these charging charging documents and warrants, law enforcement goes to Instagram and asks for the records. Instagram tends to give them the records. The there doesn't seem to be a lot of pushback from from Facebook, you know, giving over that stuff. They seem very you know ready to do it most of the time, right? Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to give. Um, you know, when it comes to this sort of stuff, I don't think anyone's really fighting the privacy battle for for street crews these days. You know, like I, I think it's one of those things where how odd. Yeah, they're not going to get a, a a ton of pushback on that. Yeah. So we're rewatching The Wire in my house. And, you know, it just it shows that law enforcement is always in the process of trying to catch up to criminals. And I was just thinking about, you know, what you were saying, Matthew, about stuff that is encrypted. I mean, there is undoubtedly, you know, 
Lester or McNulty somewhere desperately trying to figure out how to, you know, get through that encryption. <laughs> well, the the brilliant thing they did is is Danny kind of teased a moment ago in is it Europe and Australia, you said, where they, they set up like a fake signal yeah. style application and yeah. got a bunch of criminals to sign up for it. No, it was real. What they did is they found a guy who I think made a previous version of it. And I don't know what they had on him. They probably made it cut a deal with him or something like that, where he would develop a new one and use the same networks mm-hmm. to distribute these, like these phones. And, and yeah, and then they did that and they just got, they built a ton of cases off it because these criminals were using it, not knowing that there was a backdoor that this guy built in literally for the purpose of helping Interpol or, or these international organizations and, and, and national organizations crack down on, on crime. There's actually a, there's a show I've been watching, a nice gritty crime series called uh, Macro Mafia about the, uh, the gangs in Amsterdam. And that's a big part of it is them using these, this encrypted communication device. Danny Gold, thank you so much for coming on to Angry Planet and walking us through this. The podcast is Underworld Podcast, and it is excellent, and you should absolutely listen to it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week, Angry Planet listeners. Angry Planet is me, Matthew Galt, Jason Fields, and Kevin O'Dell. As always, you can find us on angryplanet.substack.com, where for $9 a month, you get access to two bonus episodes every month and commercial-free versions of the show that you're listening to. It really does help us uh, keep the show going. We're all very, very busy these days. Uh, but we love to do this. It's very much a passion project for us, and every little bit helps us uh, just keep production rolling. Again, that's at angryplanetpod.com or angryplanet.substack.com. We will be back next week with another conversation about conflict on an angry planet. Stay safe until then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.